0: Atlanta's Evening News is coming up at 5. Between now and then,
1: if there's a traffic red alert, breaking news, severe weather alerts, the WSB-24 Hour Breaking News Center will not hesitate to break
2: in. And we'll have more during Atlanta's Evening News from 5 to 7. Depend on it. Sean hannity. The new sean hannity show more behind the scenes information on breaking news and more bold inspired solutions for america
1: jamie dupree comes right at you from the hill in dc on
2: the sean hannity show uh so many top stories so little time we've got drones killing american citizens two american hostages we're going to get to that with jamie we've got The Republicans in the Senate acquiescing on Loretta Lynch. No shocker there, but I want to start with our top story, and that is the New York Times expose on how cash flowed to the Clintons and their foundations as the Russians took control of a uranium company that they never should have had control that includes assets, uranium assets from America. Yeah, but yep. how you doing, Sean? I want to play. I'm. I'm going to do something. I told little... you the New York Times was sinking its teeth into that story. Yeah, I told you. I told you it was a hundred million dollars, and I told you that it was Iran, and I was only wrong about one part of it. It was Russia. <laughs> but I got. Look, but, I, but we have good sources, both of us. Yeah,
0: I. I think it. it you know, this. I, I tell you, just speaking with my colleagues up here on the Hill, I think this story has netted a lot of interest because there's the feeling that how. You know, how could you, even if you have all these safeguards, how can you avoid even the appearance of impropriety? And it seems like there are more details coming out now. Again, that doesn't take, that doesn't mean that there is some kind of uh, of criminal activity or something bad that has gone on, but it just sort of reeks. And I think. Right now, with Hillary Clinton getting getting into the presidential race, that makes a big difference in how the story gets treated, and I think we've seen it so far. Now, the Clinton campaign is, again, pushing back as hard as they can. They're really going after the author of this book and more. Uh, I think you'll see a lot more of that. Uh, but uh, we'll see what other details pop out as major news organizations uh, take a look at it. I'm going something. Told, oh, go
2: ahead, go, ahead. go ahead. One
0: of my colleagues told me he was reading a bunch for his news organization that he works for yesterday and last night and said that there's a lot of details, but that uh, he's sure the Clinton people will attack the way that this guy um, linked the dots and drew them together.
2: I'm going to do something I usually don't do. I'm going to play a fairly long clip here. It's about three minutes. It's Jonathan Carl and Josh Ernest on this issue today. This is a pretty amazing exchange. Listen to this, Jamie.
3: And the memorandum of understanding that governed uh, uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, financial deal was the financial dealings of the, administ- of the uh, foundation and her uh, husband's uh, speaking fees. Um, first of all, can you make that memorandum public? Because I don't think we've ever seen it.
1: Uh, this is a, a memorandum of understanding that resides at the at the State Department, so you can ask them about their policy for disclosing. Okay,
3: it or We've not. asked for that. I'm wondering if you can. I mean, this is, uh, you know, I mean,
1: in the interest of transparency, this was supposed yeah. to be all about transparency. Yeah. Uh, well, can we can we see that memorandum? Uh, I, I think the goal of the the memorandum was to ensure that uh, even the appearance of a conflict of interest was um, uh, was avoided by uh, ensuring that there was uh, greater transparency, and greater knowledge uh, about the. Uh, Contributions that were being accepted by the Clinton Foundation for the charitable work that they do. Uh, That was the the goal of the memorandum.
3: I mean, essentially, then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton promised that she would make public the donations to the Clinton Foundation and uh, also uh, speaking fees for President Clinton. Isn't it clear now uh, that Secretary Clinton did not abide by her own memorandum of understanding with the President?
1: Uh, I'm not sure that that's clear, but you should go ask uh, Secretary Clinton's team. Well, I'm asking
3: you because we now read that. uh, Uh, Uranium One, a foreign company uh, donated over $2 million to the Clinton Foundation while she was Secretary of State. That would seem to be a pretty clear
1: violation of a Memorandum of Understanding, as it's been explained to us uh, by you. Well, again, for the the details of this transaction, I'd refer you to either the State Department or Secretary Clinton's team. uh, obviously, that's not something that uh, that was reviewed at, at this level.
3: And, and we also know that uh, previously the $500,000 donation from the Algerian government went to the Clinton Foundation while Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. Again, isn't this a clear violation of a memorandum of understanding that said, that uh, first of all, there was going to be an end to uh, foreign donations, and these donations would, and donations to the foundation would be in public. Yeah. Again,
1: I'd, I'd refer you to Secretary Clinton's team about that.
3: Uh, can you check in on this as well? This is an understanding with the president, right? This was. No. Yeah, this but, was
1: but you're asking about the compliance uh, with this, uh, with this particular matter, and whether it lived up to the standards that Secretary Clinton had said for herself. And so, uh, I'd refer you to Secretary Clinton's team to for uh, to render some judgment on that.
3: The one thing Secretary Clinton's team has referred us back to the uh, uh, to the White House on is whether or not any agency objected to that uranium one deal. Uh, again, it allowed the Russians to, to, you know, take steps towards cornering the uranium market, which seems pretty significant, that yeah. uh, if any, uh we refer to, this to you, Is there have been any objections? Will you please find out for us uh, if there okay. were any objections made by any agency of the United States government for the Russians uh, making such a bold move towards uh, uh, cornering a significant uh, 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 section uh, of the Iranian uh, I, I will
1: take a look and see if there's information that we can provide uh, on that specific matter. I mean, I know the other thing that has also been pointed out here is that this was a, a uh, decision that uh, other countries had the opportunity to weigh in on uh, as well, and that seems like a relevant uh, fact in terms of the completion of the specific transaction. I'm asking about our so, country, but I appreciate it. Un- understandable, that. and uh, if there's information that we can provide, I will. Uh, I'll try to do that.
2: I know that's long, Jamie, but the New York Times referred numerous times in this article today and it's it's mandatory reading for those
0: listening if you haven't read it, it. You, look, it's you shouldn't 12 just pages. hear a summary about it you should read it because i, I it's actually very read in the
2: va- i i read the vast majority of it which i never do on radio in the last hour so uh, hopefully a lot of people uh, heard it and are not just joining us now but numerous times it refers to uh, a deal that was struck by the clintons an agreement they had with the obama white house to identify all donors which they don't do yeah, that's the memorandum
0: of understanding that John was asking to see, which has not been released as yet. And it's obvious that there are a number of things that have not been turned over. And that kind of thing, just from a point of view of a of a reporter, uh, you'll start asking. And I, I can tell exactly what John Carl's doing there. He's trying to, you know, put the pressure and say, well, the White House is saying they'll look into. No, the White House still hasn't given it to us. The Clinton Foundation, you know, and just sort of trying to line those up things for fu- line those things up for future stories.
2: Uh, all right. Now we have other news that's going on here today, and I spent a lot of time so far on this. So I've, I've got to move on. Uh, one of the stories I know you're covering today that I haven't gotten to yet. Uh, we've got drone strikes. U.S. drone strike that killed some Al Qaeda leaders. When was this? Back in January. It was in January. Killed yeah. two American hostages. One, well, no, two one hostages, American, one, Ameri- hostage, one Italian. One Italian. Right. Okay. So, uh, why didn't we hear about it till now? You know, that wasn't really explained today by
0: either the president or the White House spokesman. What um, it, uh, Evidently, the president spoke just yesterday with the family of the American. I don't know whether—I I can only assume, without knowing it right off, that it took a long time to sort out the intel on this and figure out who had died and who had not. Now, also killed in this, one strike, was an American who, was, who had become a bigwig for al-Qaeda along the way. A guy named—was uh, it— Fur, um, uh, Ahmed Farouk, I think was his name. And then there was another American killed in another drone strike, the uh, Adam Godnan who had uh, who had been a spokesman of sorts, uh, a TV and radio voice for al-Qaeda through the years. And he was killed in a separate strike. But it seemed like neither of them were targeted, because if they were targeted as American citizens, that would raise all kinds of, of questions. And, you know, I thought it was interesting today here on the Hill, there was a lot of Democrats were fairly quiet about it, except those who are sort of very hawkish on foreign policy. Most everybody's saying, look, it's terrible about these two hostages, but these are the kind of strikes that we have to do, and the drone program works very well. But look, there's an awful lot of Democrats and some Republicans, frankly, who don't like this drone program going on overseas. They were very, very quiet about that today. I just
2: want to know what intelligence they had and whether or not they will share with the American people in full transparency the intelligence that they had because—
0: my answer to that before you're even finished with your question is no, because, it, it you know, they don't want to share anything. Uh, I mean, I remember one time being in a secure environment where suddenly they realized that somebody was there who shouldn't be there, and they told me to cover my ears because they needed to say something. And so, of course, I didn't, and I listened, and I always uh, learned my lesson right away. What they think is classified is usually not, so I don't expect them to tell us many details about what they knew at all. Yeah, but you'd think the family that lost a loved one that was being held hostage, by the way- Well, I mean, their explanation is pretty basic.
2: They did not know that the hostages were there. Okay. We have 10 Republicans, including Mitch McConnell himself, voting to confirm Loretta Lynch. Another cave by Republicans from my perspective. Yeah, we'll run the uh, the list down real quick. Ayotte of
0: New Hampshire, uh, Collins of Maine, Cochran of Mississippi, Flake of Arizona, Graham of South Carolina, Warren Hatch of Utah, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, Mark Kirk of Illinois, Rob Portman of Ohio, and of course the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. There was only one senator who missed today's vote, and that was sort of an odd story and attracted a lot of attention here on the Hill because Senator Ted Cruz had been gone all week. He'd missed every vote. Then he came back and was here this morning. He spoke spoke on the floor. Spoke on the floor to say he was against uh, uh, Loretta Lynch, then voted against ending debate, and then left town to go to Dallas for an evening, evening fundraising event even though that if he'd waited another half an hour, he could have voted against her. Well, it was a fate, with all due respect, it was a fait accompli at that point. Well, it was point. a fait accompli. You could have missed every vote today, and it would have been a fait accompli. So if you want to make that argument, you didn't have well, to show up at all. Well, I think
2: mean, he made the point to give the speech, and then once the initial vote took place, the, you know, the writing was on the wall, so there's Here's no point. That
0: I, and you can go round and round with me. Here's something my dad taught me 30-plus years ago about this place. Yeah. If you have to use more than one sentence to explain what you've done— Then it's one sentence too many. Well, I'll explain it. Once the initial vote took place, it was a fait accompli. It was a fait accompli before the first bo- vote took place. Yes, and, well, maybe he had hope. All I'm saying is is that we up here on the Hill are going to lo- are going to watch three guys very closely in the in coming months, and that's Cruz, Rubio, and Rand Paul
2: oh, it's for a fair, their voting listen, records. I understand it's a fair question, and the people of Texas will decide that they love Ted Cruz, so it really doesn't matter. So, you know, we can go round and round about it. He knew what the outcome was after the first vote, and he left. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm just saying that... And in that
0: kind of thing, we're going to watch because Rubio missed a whole bunch of votes this week. I don't think Rand Paul missed one at all. Uh, and Ted Cruz was only here for one all week. That was the big news on Loretta Lynch were the 10 Republicans. McConnell surprised a lot of us here. Nobody had really thought that he would vote for Lynch. But I think in the end that really looking back on it, it's not that surprising when you get down to it. Maybe the most surprising vote to me would have been Ron Johnson of Wisconsin who had really not given any hints that he would vote for Loretta Lynch's nomination.
2: Yeah, that was pretty interesting, too. Maybe he saw where the vote was going. Maybe he wanted to get on record for other reasons you don't know. Well, uh, there's a lot of
0: people, too, who think he's got a tough re-election race.
2: Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on. There's other news here. The Benghazi committee says they yep. will call Hillary for a public hearing the week of May 18th. So the bad yeah, just news put up will, a... is pretty much guaranteed to continue for her.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just put up a blog about this, and you can find the link uh, to the document that Trey Gowdy sent to Clinton's lawyer uh, on Twitter, at Jimmy Dupree. They want not only a sit-down the week of May 18th, but also another time about her email practices. And Gowdy goes on at length complaining about a lack of cooperation by Clinton, not only on Benghazi issues, but also on the whole email thing. They attached 100 sample questions, which I'm sure makes uh, some of the Clinton people grit their teeth as they read through them, like, did you email President Obama on your personal email server, did he email you and more? It's obvious that I think Gowdy has gotten to the point of being frustrated that he feels like he's being played right now. And sooner or later, I bet what's going to have to happen here, Sean, he's going to have to just set a date and bring her in and then roll the dice to see if he's going to be able to get anything out of her that will further his investigation
2: unbelievable isn't it It really is an amazing story and and is she going to be under oath is another big question we have to ask so. I
0: would assume so I mean you've, you've got an investigative committee and I would think you would do that yes now the, the the other thing is he still offered her a behind closed doors meeting about the email situation I still think he wants to get her on the record Behind closed doors, like a like a prosecutor would do, and then have a hearing later. I'd frankly be surprised if she decides to do that.
2: Yeah, very interesting. All right, Jamie Dupree, the most connected man in Washington. A lot of news today. And uh, yes, see course, you, Sean. We'll talk soon. Eight hundred nine four one Sean toll free telephone number. We'll go back to our top story, Jay Seculo, among our guests when we get back. Eight hundred nine four one Sean is a number, and uh, also get your calls coming up here next. Eight hundred nine four one Sean again is the number. And by the way, I say it because some people don't know how to call the number. So if you don't know how to call the number, you're not smart enough to be on the program. It's just a fact. What? What? Why you look? What did the lady say to you the other day? What?
1: No, there was a woman who called. And she was giving me all these different varieties of ways to spell Sean. And I said, I'm there's, sorry, ma'am. There's three those, ways
2: you can spell Sean. <laughs> those,
1: those varieties are all wrong.
2: No, you could spell it the right way, like Sean Connery and Sean Hannity, S-E-A-N, or you can spell it S-H-A-W-N. Which doesn't add up. Or you can spell it S-H-A-U-N is a spelling that is used. Right, which I those five letters don't add up to a seven-digit phone now, number. Now liberals spell it, you know, any expletive, that's the letters that they'll use to spell my name. Well, it's a different story for a different day. Uh, Isn't this a crazy story about this Texas security consultant who made extra money being a dumpster diver? And Anyway, he finds all this sensitive information about hundreds of kids that were served by the court-appointed special advocates of Travis County. And he just turned it over to the good guys. That included their Social Security numbers of at least 800 kids. It would have been the jackpot if he was an identity thief. He's not. Everything about you in this day and age, even your bank records, are connected and stored on a cloud. All it takes is one thief... That hacks, that breaches, and thieves have everything they need to take over your life. That's why in this day and age, you need LifeLock Ultimate Plus. The world has changed. LifeLock Ultimate Plus is the most comprehensive identity theft protection out there. Protects your good name, your identity, your credit, your bank accounts, your retirement accounts, your credit cards, even the equity in your home. Go to LifeLock.com Hannity now. And call, use the promo code Hannity. You'll save 10% on your LifeLock Ultimate Plus membership. 800-440-4836, 800-440-4836, 800-440-4836 for lifelock.com. We'll continue. Who the hell are you? You know. Now, say my name. Sean Hannity. You're damn right. And this is the Sean Hannity Show. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB.